Welcome to this PE Life podcast, the first in our new series called Digital Twins, the Gateway to Autonomous Industrial Facilities in association with Hexagon. I'm Carolyn Schaps, energy journalist and contributor to Petroleum Economist, and I'm joined today by Adrian Park and Hans Kauer from Hexagon to talk about realizing the business value of digital twins. Hello to you both. Thank you for joining us. Hello, Colin. Good day, Carolyn. Adrian Park is Hexagon's Vice President for Pre-Sales in the EMIA region. He has over 40 years of experience working in the process industries and joined Hexagon 16 years ago. Hans Kauer is Hexagon's Director of Industry Consulting in the EMIA region, and he has over 30 years of experience in the process industry with half of those spent at Hexagon. So let's start with a short introduction to the company. Let's tell our listeners a bit about what Hexagon does. Um, Adrian, maybe you can kick us off. Sure, Carlin. So Hexagon is a Swedish technology company. We're headquartered in Stockholm. We're about 24,000 employees in 50 countries and an annual turnover of around four and a half billion euros each year. Our focus as a company is on the enabling of organizations to go beyond automation into autonomy, which is all about how to reduce or eliminate the need for human intervention. Our solutions today are used um, extensively across industries. So, for example, about half of all the oil and gas and chemicals produced worldwide use our technologies. And in the industrial manufacturing space, about 95% of cars, 90% of aircraft and about 75% of all smartphones produced actually use hexagon technologies. Now, Hans and I, we come from a division within Hexagon called Asset Lifecycle Intelligence. We're about 3,000 employees, and we work with complex industrial facilities, such as oil and gas plants, uh, chemical facilities, metals and mining, power, food, beverage, and uh, pharmaceuticals. And we provide solutions for the design, construction, operation and maintenance, and cyber integrity of industrial facilities. Thank you. That's some very impressive uh, figures there in terms of how much your technologies are, are being used. Let's get onto the topic of uh, digital twins. And Hans, maybe you can tell us a bit about uh, what role digital twins are playing in the Hexagon Asset Lifecycle approach. Yeah, sure I can, Carolyn. So, um, yeah, digital twins uh, really provide a digital threat or often also called the digital backbone, which connects all the phases of the, the facility's life cycle. So um, the digital twin is, is ideally built incrementally, so from the early phases of the design and engineering, and evolves then throughout the asset life cycle. So throughout the entire life cycle, um, the information is then sustained and kept evergreen. So the, the digital twin should yeah, always provide access to as-is facility configuration, as well as the full history of it and provide support for upcoming projects. So at each phase of the life cycle, the, the different solutions are typically integrated with uh, and exchanged through this digital thread. And, and with that, we take an, an agnostic approach where the Digital Twin can be integrated with either Hexagon or third-party solutions. So, for example, uh, during the detailed design phase, um, our Hexagon 2D, 3D, 3D design tools uh, would be integrated, uh, while during the construction phase, uh, supply chain management, construction and completion solutions 
will be integrated. And once we get into the operations and maintenance phase of the life cycle, uh, systems such as uh, maintenance management systems, asset integrity systems, MES, reliability systems, as well as data historians can be integrated with this digital twin, digital threat. So yeah, this digital twin has, has a very important role in supporting also what we call the 4D, 5D, up to 8D BIM definitions. Lovely, thank you. Interesting to hear how that's being applied. And I believe the concept of digital twins is, you know, widely recognized within the industry now, but I feel like there's still quite a lot of confusion in the market about what exactly it is and does. Why do you think that is? Uh, you're right, Carolyn. And um, whilst, you know, the high level concept of a digital twin is a virtual representation of a physical entity is simple and well understood. Beyond that, as to what a digital twin should actually contain, what it should be capable of doing, there are many different opinions and approaches uh, today. Uh, for example, the approach that we take is centered on the configuration of the industrial facility. We capture it, we consolidate it, we validate 1D, 2D and 3D data, and then provide contextualized index and multi-dimensional visualization. You know, we, we typically do not consolidate data from real-time systems or transactional systems such as maintenance management systems. But we tend to pull that data on demand from those systems when it's needed and show this on context behind, you know, we use the term a single pane of glass. So we minimize the need to duplicate data across the IT landscape. Now, there are other approaches, um, for example, uh, some approaches consolidate all possible information, including real-time data and transactional information into a data lake and then visualize and analyze this information. The reliability of that sort of approach is very dependent on the frequency of uh, updates of the data lake. Otherwise, your data lake can quickly turn into a sort of a data swamp of outdated information. Yeah, yeah, and perhaps in addition to that, Aaron, we've also chosen to provide uh, information management capabilities within our digital twin, right? So um, information and documentation can be maintained within the digital twin itself. So, and that's of course uh, includes support for work processes like as uh, management of change, uh, deliverables reviews, uh, document control, technical queries, actions, and many more of those type of processes. So. Um, there, there's obviously no right or wrong or uh, here and, and different approaches can be combined. So uh, we, we frequently work with customers that, that uh, combine our digital twin with their, their data lakes. So, uh, but also other customers implement uh, multiple digital twins. That's, uh, that's also what we see. So uh, where our digital twin, for example, will be combined with a process twin, which is more focusing on process simulations. And, yeah, we, we ourselves extend the scope of our digital twin uh, also into the uh, geospatial arena uh, in order to provide a situational awareness uh, where we support, for example, tracking of people, vehicles, tools, and so on. Yeah. Interesting to hear about some of those applications. And I think it's quite clear that the market for digital twins is expanding quite rapidly. A lot more um, you know, companies are, are taking up uh, this tool. Why do you think that is? Well, yeah, I think that there's an increasing recognition now of, of the foundational role that a digital twin plays in digital transformation. Huh? So for, for, for digital transformation initiatives, it's, it's mandatory to have an authoritative, trustworthy, consolidated source of information. And that's absolutely a prerequisite for advanced analytics, for automation, as well as the journey towards autonomy. 
So yeah, after all, if, if the basic information about the components, about the equipments, about the configuration of your facility is not complete or incorrect, then no amount of artificial intelligence or machine learning will give you the useful results. So yeah, digital twins are really having a foundational role in that. So yeah, they also provide really concrete business benefits. Huh? So for for facility operations, these benefits could, for example, include uh, reduce the time uh, spent on finding and validation information. Uh, if you're able to find the information at the moment you really need it, that, that will enable people to make uh, faster and better decisions. Um, the time to find and validate information can typically take sometimes 20 to 30% of people's time because they have to find the information in multiple sources, multiple isolated silos of data. So that's very difficult to find and validate the information. And yeah, better and easy access to information can reduce obviously that waiting time and that will improve um, time on tools. Uh, it will help to improve first time fixed rates as well as uh, similar type of KPIs. Yeah, Hans, and I think in addition, there's a few other items we can mention. Things like, for example, improving the planning of work, uh, showing uh, the location of work like maintenance inspections in the context of the 3D physical plant, um, just answering very basic questions like, do I need a, a stepladder or do we need scaffolding or how do we do the ingress or egress out of a particular area where work's going to be performed? Also, things like being able to demonstrate compliance to regulatory authorities, um, you know, we capture all changes in the digital twin with a timestamp and who has changed the information and provide also full capability of the management of change process. And that can reduce substantially the amount of time needed to prepare for audits. You could also do things like show real-time information and maintenance notifications alongside engineering data. And that can be really useful for troubleshooting of equipment, for example. And it's also possible to um, do things like reduce de dependency on individuals by capturing all that information inside the digital twin. Then we are less likely to lose knowledge as workers leave, whether it be through retirement, which is an increasing issue in many parts of the world, or other reasons for that matter. I mean, there are many other um, potential benefits that could be mentioned, we probably just don't have time to really go through them all today. So I think you made it quite clear that there's um, a lot of operational benefits um, by applying digital twins, but are there any other benefits that sort of go beyond operations? Uh, sure, Carolyn, that's a very good point, actually, because many people do see the digital twin as in an operations perspective. But digital twins can also play a significant role in reducing risk and costs in projects whether it be a greenfield project or a brownfield project. Uh, for example, digital twins, you know, they provide this single source of truth where everybody can actually find information and documentation, where it's consolidated, reducing the need to consult multiple uh, silos of information. They can also be used as a platform for securely sharing and exchanging information across the value chain. So, yeah, our Digital Twin, for example, is frequently used by uh, suppliers and contractors to submit information um, to the uh, owner. Um, the Digital Twin can also be used to incrementally consolidate and validate data which has been submitted and checking that the data coming from vendors and con contractors is um, uh, correct, consistent and, uh, and compliant with the different standards and specifications that people have on a project. Uh, and by identifying any inconsistencies or non-compliance early, 
in the project. It's also possible to do rectification before these errors can potentially cause an issue in the project that might create rework or delays. Digital twins can also be used as a platform for reviewing that data and documents. So once contractors or vendors actually submit data and documents into the digital twin, it can then be sent on review, con comments can be consolidated. We also can manage actions and uh, technical queries across the project landscape as well within the digital twin. And it, we can also do multi-dimensional visualization. That's something that uh, Hans mentioned earlier by again, taking information in and uh, integration with project control systems. We can do 4D, 5D visualization, for example, showing uh, progress and cost information. In a construction type of environment, by having near real-time access to and visualizing uh, material availability, you know, whether material has been requisitioned, whether it's been purchased, whether it's been delivered to site or installed, and having constraints like availability of craneage and craft availability, you can then start doing clever things like optimizing construction sequencing and being more agile during the construction phase of the project. And digital twins can also help greatly in the handover of information from projects to operations. Uh, without really having to move any data, simply changing ownership. And that can save a considerable amount of effort, time, and costs. You know, surveys done not only by ourselves, but other people show that typically handover costs amount to somewhere between one and 3% of project costs. And these can be practically eliminated by uh, incrementally preparing uh, the data and handing over the information to operations within the digital twin itself. Thanks, Adrian. That's a really interesting uh, overview, actually. And you mentioned um, Brownfoot projects, and I'd be very curious to understand how easy and whether it's actually feasible to create a digital twin for an existing facility and how much effort is actually needed to, to put that into, into place. Okay, yeah, absolutely. There's support for that, uh, Carolyn. So uh, in this case, um, that's for most of our digital twin implementations where, where customers have facilities that may be decades old, and yeah, most of their information is then often in unintelligent and unstructured formats. Huh? So, so in these cases, we, we retrospectively built a digital twin from the information sources that are available. So for that, for example, technologies uh, can extract information from unintelligent to the CAD formats, such as AutoCAD, MicroStation, from PDF files, Office files and uh, even extract information from, for example, title blocks. Um, tag references can be created, including the hotspots that will be used for navigation purposes. So yeah, you, you asked about the amount and the effort needed for this. So um, it's, it's very straightforward. So once the rules for extraction and hotspotting are configured, the process is largely automated. So this un unstructured information can then be combined with any structured information that's available from legacy data sources, such as, for example, uh, maintenance systems uh, and others. And that will help to uh, to build this, this digital twin. Um, we also see that if, if a 3D model is not available, that uh, laser scans can be used for the 3D digital reality capture. Um, and then the geotext in the laser scan can be used again for the navigation between the 1D, 2D and eventual other 3D sources. So yeah. That's, that's very uh, useful as well as the reports can be run uh, to check if data from those sources is really consistent. 
uh, and for example also reports can be uh, run to see if the expected documents are available for specific tags so yeah we can really identify where expected documents appear to be missing yeah and it's probably worth mentioning hans that you know once we've built the digital twin then we can actually put in processes such as electronic management of change to ensure that the digital twin is maintained in an, in an evergreen way um, we typically include an advanced uh, management of change process in our digital twins that includes uh, concurrent engineering capabilities which is able to cope with the complex change scenarios frequently encountered on industrial facilities where the same equipment and the same documents might be subject to multiple changes uh, which are ongoing at the same time. So these simultaneous changes that need to be managed. You both have a lot of experience, obviously, advising your customers on this. And I'd be very curious to hear about a couple of examples uh, where customers have, have applied digital twins uh, successfully. Could you run us through a few case studies? Yeah, we can do that, Carolyn. But uh, for reasons of non-disclosure, we won't actually mention any specific names today. Um, but I'll give you an example. And I think Hans can probably come up with an example as well. Um, you know, one customer we have is a European-based uh, oil and gas uh, exploration and production company. Um, <clears throat> they grew, have grown rapidly over a number of years through acquisition of major capital assets from other companies that have divested. Um, as a result of this, they've inherited uh, many different legacy systems, ways of working, and uh, data quality overall was very poor, and that was resulting in both safety issues as well as inefficiencies. So the implementation of a common digital twin, um, embracing all the different facilities within the uh, area of operations, enabled them to consolidate data and documents into a common, one common system, improved the overall quality of information and availability of it, and enabled them to implement uh, common ways of working and uh, enabled them to work more effectively with engineering contractors as well. The solution uh, includes the migration of design information, both 2D and 3D design tools, and integration with uh, maintenance management and data storing systems as well. So that's um, a system that they've built up over the last um, 18 months and has been uh, so far very successful. Perfect. That sounds really interesting. And um, Hans, would you be able to run us through another uh, sort of case study from uh, your customers? Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I was just about to say we have another another very uh, very nice example, which is a customer. It's a, a large ENP based out of Asia, and uh, that's where our digital twin is uh, being implemented first on uh, on an existing major refinery, and it will then be rolled out across uh, their other refineries later. So. Um, the solution implementation included the capture and consolidation of 1D, 2D and 3D data uh, coming from multiple sources and includes extensive integrations with, uh, with 2D, 3D design tools, uh, but also with their maintenance system, SAP in this case, uh, data historians, uh, integrations with two external document management systems uh, with Primavera for scheduling, uh, a system for managing the lab results, uh, a system for manufacturing intelligence as well as a reliability system um, yeah and it also included 40 reporting uh, from the scheduling system as well as corrosion loop visualization uh, so uh, yeah it was a it's a very interesting story there thank you some great examples to give uh, our, our listeners a bit of an idea of how this this has actually been implemented and, and I'm wondering, 
with these systems coming in, you know, especially on assets that have been around for a long time and running on different systems, how disruptive is introducing a digital twin for people who actually have to work on it and, and, and use the systems every day? Do they need a lot of additional training? No, actually, not, not really, Caroline, because, uh, well, most people are, are more or less used to this already in their private life, right? Uh, who, who is not looking at their phone all the time to find information? So, yeah, uh, similar for, for information made available from the digital twin. So uh, typically time to introduce the system to someone else uh, who needs to find information takes about 30 minutes, but it can even be less. So it's uh, pretty straightforward. Oh, that's quite impressive. I uh, hadn't expected that. I would have thought it, it takes a lot longer. Um, so that's, that's very positive. And I'm wondering, what are the main risks associated with using a digital twin? I'm thinking about things like, you know, cybersecurity and risks uh, surrounding that. Could you run us through that? Uh, well, Caroline, I mean, cloud hosting of digital twins these days is really secure. Um, uh, they typically deploy sophisticated automated monitoring tools. They've got 24 by 7 operations and support staff who are actually monitoring the system and can detect whether anything awry is happening. Um, our digital twin offering is, you know, it's ISA 27001 certified. It's got SOC 2 uh, certification as well. And all the data and all the documents are encrypted both um, at rest inside the system, but also in transit. So really these systems these days are extremely secure. Um, and probably as secure as your banking system, for example, that you might use in your daily life. Okay, so that's, that sounds very secure in that case. And Adrian, um, just to finish off, um, would you be able to run us through a bit your thoughts on where you think um, digital twins are going in future? Which sort of direction are they heading into? Well, you know, one of the things we're working on is trying to remove the barriers to realising digital twins to make it easier to get there. Uh, for example, by using artificial intelligence, machine learning to extract more intelligence out of un in unstructured documents and uh, laser scans and then back modeling those laser scans to create an intelligent 3D model and um, uh, for existing assets. So this is just part of what we call the smart digital reality, which is really going beyond the digital twin by providing a continuous feedback loop between the real world and the digital world, uh, which gives us then a sort of a line of sight to enable people to do uh, business decisions uh, based on up-to-date situation of uh, a facility at any particular time. I mean, the smart digital reality is a big topic in itself, and that might in fact be a, a topic for perhaps a future podcast. That's a very good idea. I think uh, either way, there's definitely a bright future for, for digital twins and smart digital reality um, in, in the industry. But that's all we've got time for today. Thank you, uh, both Adrian and Hans, for joining us. It's been a pleasure to listen to your thoughts on the topic. So thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to PE Live Podcast to get notifications of the next episodes in the series and about digital twins, and as well as to access our previous episodes on demand. Thank you very much.